Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody and welcome in to another episode of Photo Taco. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. I'm going to skip the usual pleadings to give me a review and join the Facebook groups because today's topic is so big and I want to get right to it. I hope I don't spend an hour here. I might have to split it into two. We'll see how it goes as I get into this. I mean, I, I know I'm willing to go a little bit longer than when we first started the podcast on each episode, but I don't want to go an hour. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes if I might have to have some further thoughts on the topic in a subsequent episode. But today, I am going to do my best to tackle the topic of photography and storage. Now, before we get into kind of what I specifically want to talk about today, I wanted to mention I do have an article on this topic that's been out at improvephotography.com slash storage workflow, all one word, for, for quite a while. It's It's been a couple of years now or a little over a year that I've had it out there. And, you know, in the article, I talk about how uh, all hard drives, it doesn't matter if it's SSD or magnetic or what the technology is, they're ticking time bombs, they're going to fail at some point. You need to have a 3-2-1 backup strategy in place, uh, the different speeds of storage. There's a ton of information out there, and I don't want to go over it again because I have so much else I want to say on the topic based on questions and, and other feedback we've heard from photographers over the last couple of weeks. It seems like a really hot topic for a lot of people, and I want to get to some other stuff besides that. So if you're interested in that or if you need that background, if you are just starting out or Maybe you just recently hit this problem and you need kind of more background information, building blocks to understand kind of where I'm coming from in this episode. Go over to improvephotography.com slash storage workflow. The thoughts there was this is and I'm, I'm going to go through my my own storage workflow today. I'm going to detail it out. But the thoughts were we all have kind of a, pr a processing workflow we, we go through. We have a, a way that we are approaching processing our photos and we all call that our workflow and storage workflow is kind of more specific to about how do you deal with the storage needs for your photography in kind of a, a detailed level there so go check that out go to that link and go see what's there if you have questions about it happy to you know follow up with that you can go in the facebook groups you can comment on the article itself i love to engage and be able to try to help people out as much as possible now, so let me go through what it is I do today, what my personal storage workflow is. I'm going to go through it in a f as much detail as I think I, I should to try to communicate how it is that, that I think you should do. Now, it's not to say that this is the only way to do it because there's, there's quite a few ways that you can manage your storage. It's not even to say that I am doing it the way that really you should be doing it ultimately because I'm a hobbyist and I'm not spending the money to do it the way that I really would like to. I, I would love to be able to do some things to improve my storage workflow and make it better, make it faster, make it uh, more fault tolerant, more, more capable of, of having, uh, sustaining a hard drive failure and have it be a real kind of problem. Um, but I'm just not there yet. I, I, I haven't spent the money. I haven't budgeted for getting there and I don't think I need to yet because I'm not stretching the limits of my workflow today and I, I feel comfortable where I am with backup and so on. So I'm going to describe to you what mine is and I'm going to try to work, describe a little bit about what kind of the, the place I want to get to someday is 
because some of you are probably there. Some of you probably need to consider that and spend the money to get there. So, all right, let's let's start with where I am today. At the first part of this workflow, what I wanted to talk about was a question that we had come up on the Facebook groups this last week. In in I the improved photography episode number 167, Jim made a statement in there where he said that you should never put all of your photos onto you sorry you should always put your photos onto a single hard drive don't split them up across a whole bunch of different hard drives and some people are really worried about that like what are you talking about put them all in one drive and then when that drive goes south when it fails because it will it's only a question of when <laughs> not if but when now you've lost everything you lost all of your photos how can you possibly say that okay but what, what he was trying to get at was trying to manage your photos when they're across, let's say, three, four, five, maybe even six, seven, so many external hard drives, which is what a lot of photographers end up doing because they just haven't thought about it and they haven't worked through a workflow, creating a storage workflow and, and a strategy, a plan about how to manage this. They just buy another hard drive, another external hard drive, plug it in and start putting photos out onto it. Um, it's not very manageable. Now, maybe you're more organized than I am and can make that work. And if so, great. Whatever works for you is obviously the thing you need to do. Whatever fits into both your budget, your organization skills, and makes sense to you and makes it work for you, awesome. Make that go. That's great. But I'm, we're trying to offer some suggestions on maybe something that could simplify things for you and still make it a very robust system so that you don't have a huge amount of danger of losing things, which is, of course, very scary for most photographers. Even families are really worried about that. How am I going to make sure I don't lose the, the photos of the kids as they're growing up? How am I going to have access to those all the time? Okay, so so that really wasn't, he wasn't trying to say you should put all your photos on one drive so that when it fails, you lose them all. Of course not. That's not a good idea. But he was trying to say, you also shouldn't plan on having 10 external drives that you're going to manage your photos on because it, it's just not manageable. You have a hard time finding it. Let's, let's take an example on that would be something along the lines of, let's say a, a client comes to you and maybe it's, let's say it's 10 years from now. So if you had the strategy right now, uh, maybe of having an external drive per year, I've heard of that a lot from photographers every single year, I'm going to buy a new drive and I'm going to put all my photos for that year onto that drive and I hope I don't fill it up in within that first within that year's time frame. Then I'll buy the next one, and so on. And you know, for the most part, that's not a bad strategy. Uh, other than the drive that was now used three years ago, the likelihood that that's going to have a problem increases significantly, and that could be really bad. So, what's the plan to rotate those guys out? What's the plan to replace those as they become three years old? And you're probably not planning for that. So if you actually had to go back and use a drive from three years ago, then is it going to work? And it's just, it's, it's tough. It's a really hard way to try to manage it. So, and, and the worst case would be, let's say that that client 10 years from now, if that was your strategy said, Oh, I really, really love this photo. I'll give you, I'll give you 10 grand for it. Let's just make some outrageous price. Of course, you're going to want to find that photo, but it was 10 years ago or even worse. You're not exactly sure when in the last 10 years you took that photo, maybe, you're, or even if you did, where is that drive? Which one of the drives is that on? And how am I going to find it? It can be a real mess. Um, unless you're super organized, then yeah, you probably can you know, figure out how to make that work. 
But most of the time, it's not something you're thinking a lot about, and it's, it's going to make it tough. So let's go through where I'm at today and where, where you, I think you can get to. So the first thing that I do as I am working on this, uh, let's start with I just got done with a shoot, and I have to empty my flashcard. Uh, I don't connect to the camera directly through USB cable. You could, but I don't because it's slow. Then, um, so I, I take the card out and I stick it into a card reader. And my first step is I manually copy the photos from the SD card. I use an SD card, but from the flash card to a hard drive. Uh, in my case, I'm copying it from my SD card to a 256 gigabyte SSD drive that's internal in my computer. It's one that I added in there myself. And, uh, and so that's, that's my first step. I manually copy it over. And then I go into Lightroom, or I open up Lightroom, and I'm, then I import the photos from the folder that I just manually copied them to on the SSD drive. And you're probably wondering, why don't I just use Lightroom to do that? When Lightroom starts up, it says, hey, you got an SD card in the flash drive, you want me to import them? And you can go say, yeah, import it, and it'll even copy it over for you to the hard drive. The reason I do that is it's faster. I've tested it. It's faster to manually copy it and then import. You save some time. It's not a ton. So if you're worried about like, you know, the complexity of it and you don't want to manually do it, whatever, it's not going to save you days of work or anything, but it's faster. It's, it simply runs faster for me to manually copy it first and then use Lightroom to import it from the hard drive where it's already copied off to it. So, you, you know, you can decide how you want to do it, but that's what I'm doing. Now, if you're using other software besides Lightroom, um, you might not have that challenge. You might be perfectly great to import directly off the SD card, or it might be great to do something like use Photo Mechanic in order to cull the photos first, and then you put them in the Lightroom, whatever it might be. I don't personally use those tools in my everyday workflow. I've tested them out. I kind of like the Photo Mechanic stuff, but... I just really like using Lightroom as my only tool to manage my stuff. So that's what I'm doing. Whatever you're using is great. It's not, that's not the point. The point would be the storage workflow. Have to go from flash card to hard drive, and I put it on the SSD. Now, why the SSD? Again, has to do with performance of Lightroom. If you're using another tool that isn't so sensitive to the speed of the disk, you might be fine in putting it onto your... Uh, normal traditional hard drive, the ones that are the magnetic spinning disks, 72 RPM, 7200 RPM drives, for example, that might be fine. That's also not the point, really. It's it's my personal workflow has an SSD first because using Lightroom with an SSD with the photos stored on an SSD is way faster than putting them on a, a traditional normal hard drive and and working from them from there. So I put them there. I edit my session, and then when I'm finally done editing my session, I will move it from the SSD to a normal hard drive because SSD is only 256 gig. It's not, that's going to get filled up in a big hurry, even for a hobbyist like me who's not doing near the number of photos that a professional would be uh, day to day to day. So, it, you know, it's just not usable. You can't really do that. It's uh, hopefully it's not so uh, 256 drive isn't so small that a professional would have a, that many photo sessions being worked on at the same time to be a problem. But it might you might have to get a bigger SSD or you might choose to just go straight to a normal drive. But my own workflow is that way. And the way that I move those files, those photos then from the SSD to the traditional drive 
is through Lightroom. So I don't do it manually this time and then sync up Lightroom after the fact, which you can do. But instead, I just go into the library module in Lightroom. I drag, I, I find the folder of where it was those folders were imported to. And then I just drag it from the OneDrive, uh, the SSD, up to the drive, um, the, the normal magnetic drive. So I have a three terabyte drive that I'm using for my my big photo storage of all of the photos that I've taken since I started in uh, late 2011. And uh, and that's my storage workflow to that point. They kind of live long term on that three terabyte drive. I currently have uh, I, that on that three terabyte drive, I have 35,961 folders, I, uh, photos. I just barely looked as I was prepping for the podcast. And that takes up about 1.8 terabytes of that drive little over half, so that means I need to start looking. I'm, it prompted me as I was prepping for this, I thought, wow, I didn't realize I was that close, that much over half of the drive being used. It's time for me to look for probably a six. I need to get a six terabyte drive. And you might be wondering why, when it's only half full, only a little over half full, are you worried? It's because magnetic drives or the traditional drives, they slow down when they are more than about half. From half to all the way full, they just start getting slower and slower and slower. And from empty to half, there's no impact. So that's just kind of the behavior of the drives. And that's that's overgeneralizing. It's more complicated than that. But still, uh, because I've, I've reached that mark where I'm over half, I know I need to start, I need to go and probably get a six terabyte drive. And I need to replace that three terabyte drive with the six and copy all my photos over there. I still plan to manage it the same way. I'll go SSD to that six terabyte drive once I get it in there and replace it. And, uh, and then that will be, that'll put me in a spot where I'm good for quite a while again, before I have to deal with it. So, so that's kind of the workflow briefly to just talk about backup. This episode is not focused on backup, but I'm sure a bunch of you are wondering, okay, that's great. You have them on three terabyte drive for a long time, but what about if that drive goes bad? Cause it will. Uh, then my strategy there is I actually have a second three terabyte drive in the computer internal and every night I use the Microsoft sync tool. I'm a PC user. So there's other programs that you can use too. There's others for Mac. There's even other windows programs that you can use, but it, it looks at the drive that I normally use the three terabyte drive. I copy everything to myself or through Lightroom and, and copy everything to it looks there at everything new every night and it copies everything new from that drive to this other three terabyte drive. So it's it's there just for backup purposes. I don't use it for anything else. I don't manually put anything else out there. It, the sync tool just every single night copies it off so that I have an actual physical copy internal in my computer. And if that first three terabyte drive were to go south and I lost it and it failed, I have everything on the other one or vice versa. If the backup drive totally failed, I'd just replace it and so that I have a backup. But that's still not enough. It doesn't meet the 321 backup need. So the other thing I do is I uh, I actually have a cloud subscription for a, a provider. It's uh, Backblaze is the one that I've chosen. And I sync. I use the Backblaze syncing tool so that it continuously and automatically copies everything out to the cloud on both the three terabyte drive, the first one, the main one I use, and the SSD. So all of my photos are always being backed up out to the cloud. And it gets behind, of course, after I go do a photo shoot, it takes a long time to get all of those photos synced out to the cloud. But they get there right now, probably, I'd say, 
by the end of a week, by the uh, like a three or four days after I've done put copying stuff from a photo shoot up to a drive, then it's it's synced and and I'm good. But that's probably not a workable scenario for a lot of professionals. You're just doing way too many photos for that to be workable. But that's how my current storage workflow is. And I can expand on it. Like I said, I'm probably due to go get the six terabyte drive. You can get eight terabyte drives now too. So I, that's a workable kind of solution for a lot of people for quite a while. You might even be able to work that. And it's probably um, organization wise, not too bad if you go to a two disk system where you'll have two internal drives um, and any of those actually could be external. As I've been talking about it, I'm putting them inside of a custom-built Windows PC, but you could easily use external drives connected to computers, um, especially on Windows devices, uh, although Mac would work too. You probably would have to get maybe a USB hub or uh, you'd have to daisy-chaining on Thunderbolt ports to use external. But you could you could do it. You You could manage that. To the point where you may, I think it, it the breaking point would be after two because you'd have to have your SSD, um, or let's just assume you're not even doing an SSD. You'd have to have your two drives, maybe uh, two six terabyte drives. So you'd have a total of 12 terabytes of storage. And one of them is probably pretty close to full, would be the reason that you have your second one, right? You're going to be working from your second one mostly. And then you, of course, have to have two physical backup drives for each of those. So you have a total of four six terabyte drives connected to your computer. And then you're going to have to figure out how you're going to back that up, like to an offsite location. If it's manually doing it to another set of two drives or what, it could be really complicated. So even getting to two, you're kind of talking about some struggles there to make it work. Uh, when you're when you fit everything on one drive, then it's not too bad to have one backup and then and use the cloud even. But when you start getting more photos than than that model supports, you really need to jump into the next thing. And the next thing is something called RAID, which we've talked about on the podcast. We've talked about in articles. RAID. Most people think of that as like bug spray, <laughs> but, but RAID. We love our uh, acronyms in technology, right? But RAID, I, I really like this one. I like what it stands for because it actually sort of makes sense. I mean, there's still some kind of techie sorts of words in there, but it stands for Redundant Array of Inexpensive Disks. RAID, Redundant Array of Inexpensive Disks. And so, I mean, right in the name, redundant. So right off the bat, it's supposed to be that you have kind of backups automatically built into the system. The funny thing is there are some RAID configurations where there's no backup at all. <laughs> and it's come to be ubiquitous with the, the something that it just means putting a whole bunch of disks together so that to your computer, it looks like one disk. And for connecting it to your computer, it's one connection. So you don't have to worry about, oh, I got these four external hard drives or six or eight or 10 <laughs> external hard drives. How am I going to connect them to my computer all at once? I'm going to need eight connections to get eight drives connected. And then I got to know where everything is. This is the kind of thing Jim was talking about and that I 100% agree with that you just, it's not a good solution. It's not something that's practical to think you're going to be able to manage over time. You got to get it so there's a single connection coming into your computer for these things. And that means a RAID system, something that makes multiple disks look like one to your computer and uses a single connection to get there. 
Now, there's two basic styles of RAID that, that you could use. There's something called direct attached storage, and there's something called network attached storage. And it's kind of talking about the type of connection that you're using to get that bunch of disks to look like one to your computer. Direct attached storage is much faster. It's not even close on how the speed is of it versus the, the network attached. So direct attached, let's call it DAS, direct attached storage, D-A-S, DAS, and network attached storage is, is NAS, DAS and NAS. DAS is, it kicks the butt of NAS. It, I don't care what network speed, if, if you're, uh, unless you're fiber, <laughs> but if you're copper connection, if you're ethernet, uh, it, it just can't be as fast as DAS. It's just not close. But even all DAS is not the same. And this is one place, I mean, I'm a Windows PC user. I really love my custom-built PC workstation for running Lightroom and doing my post-processing. But there's a big advantage the Mac people have in this case because Thunderbolt is just so much faster than USB, even USB 3.0. Thunderbolt is just so fast you can really get some serious speed from a RAID system connected through Thunderbolt. As much as 1,350 megabytes a second, it's just really, really fast. Whereas USB 3.0, you can get somewhere around 450 megabytes per second as in transfer rates, and that's not too shabby. That's pretty, pretty good. But, um, but boy, Thunderbolt just kicks. It's, it's at least twice as fast if you have Thunderbolt 2, it's, it's just so much faster. And both of those options, Thunderbolt and USB 3, are both way, way faster than network connected ever will be. So if you're a Mac user and you are approaching this limit where you have, let's say you've got your, your Mac hard drive, that's probably, if you have a newer Mac, that's going to be SSD. So that's going to be really nice to process your photos from. It's going to provide fast disk, but it's probably, probably also pretty small and you'll need to move them from your Mac internal hard drive inside your MacBook out to an external drive. So maybe you've connected a, you've got a Thunderbolt drive or a less expensive uh, USB 3.0 drive, which a lot of Macs have USB 3.0 ports too. And that's not too bad, right? You, you can do the same thing I'm doing with my desktop. You can run your photo edits off of the SSD drive, and then when you're done, move it out to that ESB or, or sorry, USB or Thunderbolt connected single external drive. And that's, that's pretty much the same workflow I've got today. That's great. That works fine. But if you outgrow that external drive, you can look at getting a bigger external drive. That can work too. But really kind of what you need to look at is something like Drobo, which is what Jim uses and just, you know, out <laughs> raves about it. The thing that Drobo is doing, you can get a Drobo 5D. The D, by the way, stands for direct attached storage. That's why it's 5D. And five stands for the number of bays that the Drobo device has. What it is is a, a cage, let's call it, where there are five spots for drives. And you put in hard drives. You can start with just one if you want, but then it's no better than the single external drive. Uh, but then you can put in a second and a third, all the way up to five drives. And you can put them in at any time. And when you put it in, Drobo, it'll take a little bit and it'll say, boom, it's, it's now part of your storage. And that disk just kind of gets put into the overall storage that you have to, to do these things. 
Uh, it can be configured so that it does some protection. So if one of the drives fail, you don't actually lose your images. But that's not that's not overall the point. It's getting that size of storage available to you. And so that's a really, really good option for Mac users because you can connect a Drobo with a Thunderbolt port, and that's really good. The other competitor that you could look at is a, a drive a manufacturer called G Technology, g-technology.com. They have a very similar kind of product. They have some that have eight bays. So they actually, they're targeting the video editing market. That's their specialty is, is targeting that. But obviously it would also be really, really good for photographers. The prices are fairly competitive. Uh, the G drive actually uses more of a standards compliant technology to put the discs together. Drobo has their own thing going. And I was a little worried about that. I made a, a comments on the Facebook groups about that recently, but it turns out I asked some storage expert guys at work. I asked them, what do they think about the Drobo proprietary file system? They said, eh, it's been enough years. They figured it out now. It's not that big a deal to have it be totally proprietary. No no big worry. So it's really just kind of more the uh, the speed of things. Um, what would drive you to G technology versus Drobo? It might be price. Maybe there's a sell on one or the other. There's a whole bunch of people that love the Drobos. Jim swears by them. I don't have one. I don't use that. I've already gone through my workflow, so I can't really testify to it. But I can say I know that Thunderbolt 2 connection out to the Drobo is just great. So what would your workflow look like there? Well, you're going to have a Drobo. If you have the 5D, and let's say you filled it all the way with, uh, I think the Drobo will take six terabyte drives. I'm not sure. I should have looked that up. But let's let's assume it can. <laughs> Six times five, you have 30 terabytes of storage. That's going to last quite a long time. But it's also going to take some money. This isn't the kind of thing that to, to get the Drobo device and fill it with those disks, it's going to be, I don't know, $1,000 to $2,000, somewhere in there, or maybe even a little more. So that's not trivial. That's not that's a lens. That's a really good lens to, to get that. People usually don't want to spend the money on it because it's not something you're thinking about until you're trying to figure out what you're going to do because you just ran out of space on your hard drive. So think about it. Prepare for it. Um, if you're a small business owner, if you're a professional, you might need a budget for it. Make sure that's part of something that you're going to have included in your expenses. And not only initial, but make sure that those disks are going to be rotated every three years. They're prone to failure. The failure rates rise significantly after three years. So that's kind of the plan to do. So there you go. There's kind of the Mac world. That's a really super good option is either the Drobo or G technology drives connected through Thunderbolt 2 and, and really can help you with that. The challenge will be back up. Jim's suggestion is a second Drobo. And that's probably the, the best approach, even though it's super expensive, would be have another Drobo configured exactly the same way, and then every night you sync the two. That's going to put you in the best spot to not lose anything and not have any trouble, and probably service for many, many years to, to make it work that way. Now, if you don't want to do that, the other option, well, and even if you do, you really need one offsite. So what do you do there? Oh, it's a challenge. I, it'll be nice someday when the internet bandwidth is big enough that this actually works to sync that kind of storage out to the cloud, but it's just not there today. It doesn't matter what provider you've got. Your ISP, the way you connect to the internet's not going to like you syncing that much in the cloud provider. They're, they're going to throttle you down to where it just can't sync that kind of data. 
okay, so there is an option though I've heard of with some companies where you can, they call it seeding your backup. You can send them a drive. So you put all your, your stuff onto a drive and you send it off to the company and they will make it available online because you sent it to them. So it's not using your internet connection to get it synced. You're sending it to them. Or you could send the drives off to your family and have that done. Boy, it's it's such a challenge. It's I, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get there. Hopefully the, the internet speeds will increase enough that by the time I need it, it'll be fine to sync it that way. <laughs> but if you're already there today, I'm sorry I don't have a great suggestion. There is not a wonderful solution for that. So the the two on-site backups, that might have to do. <laughs> you might have to hope you don't have everything burn, your house burned to the ground and lose it all. Okay, so what about Windows? That's the other, the other thing, because most Windows computers do not have Thunderbolt connections. So those direct attached storage ones aren't really an option. Now the Drobo 5N or 5D, sorry, the Drobo 5D does have a USB 3.0 port. So you can use USB 3.0. It's going to limit it down to, I don't know, a, a much like half the data rate at least. But it's probably, it's very usable still. It's very, very usable, especially when it's long-term storage. If you're going to put your photos onto an SSD to start and then you use Lightroom to move them over to that Drobo 5D that's going to work. That's going to be great. So even for PC users, that's a pretty decent option. Uh, the other option for PC users would be uh, the GTEx stuff, but there's also a whole bunch of USB-based kind of peripherals that you can use to to uh, to do this. I, I personally think either the Drobo or the GTEx are the two best options for PC users and Mac users. The Mac users just get an advantage because it's lightning fast. <laughs> uh, it's Thunderbolt fast, I should say. Okay, so so there's kind of the basics of, of kind of what a storage workflow, in my mind, should look like. Have something really fast, really fast disk to work on while you're actively editing a photo session. And then when you're done, have some big but slower disk that you can move it to for long-term storage. And and the the way that if you can have all of it online at the same time, meaning you don't have eight USB drives that you're trying to plug into the computer, that's gonna make it so that it's more usable. You're gonna be able to find your photos better. You're gonna be able to go through them better. It's, it's gonna make a, a better situation for you to have. So that's what I mean by storage workflow, a plan about how are you going to manage all of your storage? How are you gonna keep your photo catalog as it's growing? How are you gonna manage the the disk then the storage that you need to store all those photos long term that's a storage workflow and you're going to have to come up with a plan some point you're going to have to deal with it uh, so there you go there's my thoughts on the topic i hope you enjoyed the podcast i hope you liked the advice and hope it's given you some things to think about for you to do it oh the one other thing i did want to briefly bring up at the very end here was there was also discussion about does it matter if I buy red drives? So if your Western Digital has the line, they they separate and they have they have a, a green, blue, black, red, and they're all kind of different purposes. And my own experience with it has been there's no distinct advantage between say the black and the red. Um, People are going to argue with me. They're going to say it's designed for it, and they're they're right. The engineers at Western Digital did, in the firmware of the drive, specifically design it to run inside of a RAID system, inside of a well, they actually the NAS, but a RAID system. They de they designed it to work that way, 
and you will have trouble with the green drives in a RAID system because they were designed to be power efficient and because they shut themselves down faster than the red ones, the RAID array, the thing managing all those disks to make it look like one is gonna think that it failed. <laughs> Even just because the drive turned itself off, it's gonna think it failed and it's gonna take it out of the array and it's gonna say that there's problems. So you will, there will be issues with that. But my own experience has been the black versus red. The durability stuff is not much is, is no different. Uh, and the Backblaze reports, Backblaze puts out frequently reports talking about hard drive uh, durability and what their hands-on real-world experience is in being a cloud backup provider. Uh, they they've published a lot of things about it. And they don't see any difference between black and red. Um, in fact. I don't buy Western Digital, or I hadn't, because uh, HGST drives were performing the best as far as durability goes. So that's what I've been buying, or is that brand. But I've been reading that stuff has been muddy because Western Digital may have bought them, and I, I haven't looked into it. But, but still, as you're buying a drive, and I know Jim was saying, make sure you get the red ones, I personally don't think it's worth extra money to go from black to red. So I will make the decision that it's not worth it to me to spend the extra money on it. If you got the budget and if you don't want if you want the peace of mind and you don't want to have to worry about it, sure, go get the red drives. Um, they they were designed for that very situation. But I'm making my own decision that I don't think it's worth the extra money. So there you go. I just thought I'd mention that <laughs> really fast. All right. Have to end with the normal traditional thing about improvephotography.com because it is the mothership. It is the reason we have the podcast and I can't do an episode without mentioning it. So go to improvephotography.com for new news gear and a whole bunch of other articles. We've got lots of content going out there all the time. I know this episode went long, but hopefully you enjoyed the content and we'll see you soon. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!